Welcome back to Second and Short. It is April 19th, 2023. We are eight days out from the NFL draft. We've got a ton going on in the MLB, almost through our first month in the MLB. So tons to talk about across the MLB and NFL. Um, we got, of course, the MLB recap. We're going to talk some news, talk a couple things that have happened throughout the weekend. We're going to update everybody on the statistical leaders around the leagues. So NL, AL leaders in many of the statistics Hit some NFL news, uh, talk a little bit about the draft, uh, some of our favorite day two, day three draft prospects. Uh, we're going to do a do you remember, and then we will get out of here. I've got Colin with me this week. Colin, you ready to get into it? Let's get it. All right, let's start in the MLB. I feel like the biggest news right now is that the Rays winning streak was ended. Um, that's the biggest thing that's happened since our last episode. Came to quite the halt. Uh, obviously, they lose their first game. They lose the next one as well against the Blue Jays. Um, end up getting the win in Game 3, and then they lose the series opener to the Reds. They're in a tough spot right now. Yeah, it's definitely not something you want to see after starting 13-0, of course. Um, but looking at it right now, they are absolutely blowing the Reds out. Um, it's actually a final 10-0. Yeah. So, I guess I didn't see the finish, but that's definitely uh, a game that they were excited to have, uh, hopefully getting back on track. Some of their hitters slipping on average, not sort of doing their jobs, um, looking to get some people back in the lineup and pick up where they left off. Yeah, and obviously there's a lot to that we've learned about this team throughout this win streak. Of course, you know, the Rays are a team that doesn't get a lot of spotlight, and they definitely had it for these first two weeks of the season. So, you know, the world has been introduced to a lot of these young players, you know, outside of like Wander Franco and maybe like Brandon Lau, some of the guys that were on the team during the World Series, things like that. Um, we haven't really seen a lot of these guys. Like Todd Bradley came out, got the win tonight. He's a great young pitching prospect. They've got other guys all over the place. And I'm very happy with what I've seen from them. Uh, it's just a matter of kind of keeping it on track after these three losses. Yeah, and two players that I want to like shout out, really stepping up, J Jeffrey Springs has been killing it. And then also Taylor Walls. Definitely two names that a lot of people didn't really know coming into the season. Well, now they know. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the entire league really has been put on notice with the pitching rotation and the bullpen of the Rays for this entire season because they had a lot of guys show out so far. Yeah, absolutely. So they're young. They're exciting. I'm definitely excited to see where it takes them this year. Yeah, I'd like to hear your opinion on Fernando Tatis returning to the Padres. He's going to be activated on Thursday. He'll likely play. Um, what do you think he adds to this team and, you know, uh, either good or bad? Um, I, I just, I think he adds problems. The, the, yes, the Padres were off to shaky start right now. They're, they're seven and seven. Um, I think coming into this series with the Braves, um, but he's a, he's a hothead. I mean, I don't know how his mental game improved while, I mean, I still think it's ridiculous that he was playing while still serving a suspension. Um, but with Xander Bogarts at short, are they going to move Xander to third, to second? 
Like, what's going to happen? I think Tatis is going to go to the outfield, and he is certainly a liability out there. And you can't really put him at the DH spot because you have Nelson Cruz, and he's a guy that, you know, though he's 42, needs to play pretty often. And, yeah, maybe you can give Tatis some reps at DH, you know, maybe a couple days a week, but you got to find a place for him, and there's certainly not one in the infield. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I just cannot see him playing the outfield. His, I mean, his defense was already a liability at shortstop. Everyone knows he's a great hitter, but it, his glove is just not what everyone says it is. He makes too many throwing errors, and if any backhands, he can't really stop. Yeah, he struggles kind of across the board when it just comes to fielding a ball, whether it's in the infield or outfield. We saw in the handful of games he played in right field last season that he just was a liability out there. You're right. And, you know, he can't track a ball as well as other outfielders. He just seems to struggle finding the ball out there. And then when he does find it, he's a liability just throwing it into the infield. So we're going to see the inconsistencies of Fernando Tatis kind of blown up kind of in front of us because there's a lot of opportunity for you to fuck up when you're in the outfield and you only get so many chances in a game. Yeah, I I totally agree. So we'll see how long, but I don't expect him to be in the lineup, like starting lineup very long. It, we'll see. Like, look, he's talented, and they're going to try and put him in the lineup, whatever that costs. But I, I just – I don't know. Like, I guess you could put Bogarts at second and take what, Ha Seong Kim's probably playing second right now. Take him out of the lineup, but do you really want to do that? Like, Ha Seong Kim's not a bad player, very good at getting on base, unlike Tatis, who you, you never know. But yeah, it's just um, they're definitely in an interesting situation here. Yeah, here's the thing. Do you think there's a chance they move Cronenworth? out to a corner spot and move Machado to first? Nah. nah Machado's glove's too valuable at third. All right, good. I just wanted to get your opinion because I've definitely been seeing people like Padres fans wanting that just to get Tatis in the infield. It's crazy. And I just I just thought that move would be ridiculous. They might as well just teach him how to play first. Nah. Nah. Still rather have Crony there. Oh, yeah, me too. All right, let's talk a little bit about the Braves because they've had one hell of a week, uh, a seven-game win streak uh, going into tonight, and we've seen a bunch of guys. Uh, Max Fried came back. A few guys have just had some solid outings. Who do you think's kind of been the star of this last week throughout this win streak? Uh, I'll, I'm I'm gonna give it to I'm gonna give it to Olson just because he puts us in position to win games at the plate. He's cutting down on his strikeouts, putting the ball in play, and just making our offense alive. But also, Ozzy, who's been killing it at the plate. Yeah, Acuna has also the, done a fantastic job, but not really just this week. He's been killing it throughout the season. So that's what we're used to with Acuna. To see Albies hitting pretty consistently, getting on base is very good. Um, and then... Yeah, Olsen, seeing him get off to yet another hot start. He started off pretty hot last year. I think people kind of got blinded by how cold he got after that first month. But he's definitely looking really good, and it looks like he's made some minor adjustments, especially at the plate. 
that make me very happy with what we're seeing right now. Yeah, absolutely. And then I also want to shout out just from the Kansas City series, Sean Murphy. He absolutely tore up the Royals this past week. Yeah, and so Max Fried last night uh, looked great. Um, got their first shutout of the season, which is crazy to think that we're 13-4 and four and we've only shut out a team once. Yeah, I, I I totally agree. But that's just, I mean, our pitching staffs definitely had their injuries, so we know we're going to give up runs. But our offense is just so explosive that we just score more runs. Yeah, and with how well Von Grissom has played since he got brought up due to uh, Arcia going to the IL, what happens when all of these guys come back? Because at some point, everybody's going to be healthy. Does this push Ozuna out of the lineup? But, you know, we're still paying him so much money. Does it push us to trade Ozuna, possibly for somebody, uh, you know, in the league that's maybe on a bad contract, but in better form on a losing team? I think there's a lot of options here. The problem is, is if you have Ozuna, you probably need to play him because you're paying him that much money. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I mean, I would love to see Ozuna gone. I mean, he's batting under 100 right now. At the at the DH spot, and you just can't do that as a DH. Your job is to hit. Yeah, it, we we already know he can't play defense, so there's no shot he's going out to the outfield. I could see when everybody comes back, either Vaughn or Orlando going out to the outfield. Um, yeah, with let's see, Rosario and left. You but can, then you know, guys like Sam Hilliard and Kevin Pillar have put on decent displays, so. It also comes down to them, too. Like, Sam Hilliard kind of deserves a spot in this lineup right now. In the games he's played, he's batting 296, a 424 on base percentage. Like, that's the kind of numbers you want to see from an everyday outfielder. If you could throw Sam Hilliard, who has a fantastic glove, in left, I think we're forgetting that Michael Harris still has to come back to the squad as well. And so center field's going to be taken. Right field's going to be taken. Arguably, Rosario, Hilliard, Ozuna... Uh, even Eli White or Kevin Pillar, they can all play left field. And it's just about, you know, kind of testing it out for maybe a couple of weeks, uh, starting a different guy every day, just see what happens. But it's going to be a very hard decision. And I think this is where we see how Brian Snicker wants to do this. Yeah, absolutely. And this is probably Brian Snicker's dream, like because our depth right now is insane. Yeah, and having it in the outfield is awesome because we saw it in the season in 2021. We won the World Series, and I think we totally rode that off of outfield depth. We And it really only came in at the trade deadline, but the fact that Adam Duvall could play some center field and we brought in Soler and we brought in Rosario and Jock Peterson after we lose Acuna, it, it just seemed like a lot of guys were willing to fill some roles. And in the outfield, guys get injured. It just happens. They get injured on the base pass because a lot of times they're speedy guys. They get injured out in the field because it's kind of the most physically demanding positions to play. And having outfield depth is super important. And from what I can see from this Braves team, all of these guys except Ozuna kind of deserve to be playing right now. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to see where this takes us. I love I love how we're playing right now. I'm I'm lost of words, sort of. I'm just excited. Yeah, uh, there's definitely things to be excited about with, 
You know, Acuna batting 398. He's, uh, I believe, leading the National League in hits right now. It's just crazy. And, you know, Olsen and Riley right behind him in the lineup. Olsen's batting 299, 405 on base. Riley batting 317, 408 on base. Like, these guys are doing it right. Sean Murphy, 417 on base percentage. I couldn't ask for more. Even if he's going to go 0 for 4, like, if he's getting on base, I I don't mind it. Yeah, and it's not even that he's striking out. He's putting the ball in play, just hitting it to the wrong spot. Yeah, big ground into a double play guy. (laughs) Big pop-up to the catcher kind of guy. Yeah. But, yeah, there's plenty plenty other teams to talk about right now. Uh, The Rangers, they unveiled their City Connect jerseys. I'm personally not a fan. I don't know how you feel about them. I I didn't like it. Um, It's just, you can't really read it. Yeah, it's. I just thought that it like like the Atlanta Braves, they could have done so much more. Yeah, and like I understand like the different intricacies and everything all around, you know, like the the four twenty one thing and the the Texas logo is fine. I don't hate it. I definitely don't love it. Um, you know, the patch on the arm is cool, but it just doesn't. I feel like there's other things you can do with. Dallas Fort Worth area. There's so much. So I just feel like they kind of fell short with the opportunity they had, just like Atlanta did. Yeah. I'm I'm behind you on that one. Um I want to get your take on this quote here. Greg Maddox said this uh just the other day. He said, Otani reminds you of Nolan Ryan. Then he reminds you reminds you of freaking Barry Bonds. He's both of those guys. I mean, he's got great stuff, and he can hit a home run with the best. Nobody else has done it before. I mean, the last guy who who was – or sorry. I mean, that the last guy who was maybe Babe Ruth, nobody's been able to do what Otani's done. I, I think that seeing this appreciation of Otani from – because like we hear it all the time with the best hitters around the league and guys like that. But when you hear the appreciation from a pitcher who – Greg Maddox obviously had to hit, played in the National League, I believe his entire career. So he was definitely used to stepping up to the plate, and uh, I can confirm he was not as good of a hitter as Shohei Otani. Yeah, and it's it's hard not to compare Shohei Otani to just the best at both pitching and hitting. The dude's a freak on the field. He He can come into a game, throw nine innings, and have – 12 strikeouts, and then he could also go three for four with two doubles and a bomb. Like, it's it's hard to compete against that. The dude is a phenom at the moment. Yeah, he's literally got like, – it's not even that he's a five-tool player. He has every single tool. He can hit for power. He's got speed. He can play the outfield very well. He's got a cannon of an arm. He can strike you out. He can just absolutely humiliate you on the mound. It's absolutely insane what he's doing, and it's hard. Like it, it seems like every time we talk about Otani, we're just understating how good he really is. Exactly. Like I, I remember watching uh, an umpire cam footage of him on the mound, and I couldn't even see the ball. Yeah, the guy chokes. The, the dude hums, and then he can throw his slider with five feet of break. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Let's talk about Pablo Lopez real quick. Obviously, we've talked about him plenty because he's off to an insanely good start. But 
This hot start earned him a four-year, $73.5 million extension with the Twins. This is big. He got traded there just in the offseason, off to a fantastic start, and the Twins have realized that, and they're going to lock him up. Yeah. In the offseason, the Twins knew that Pablo was their guy. Off the, He's got 33 Ks right now in one month of baseball. The, the dude is lights out, and like I said, the Twins know they got their guy. Yeah. Um, his former teammate, though, Sandy Alcantara and former NL Cy Young winner, seems to be rather inconsistent this season. It, it seems like he's still getting the strikeouts, but it looks like some teams just have his number. In his last two starts, he gave up nine runs in four innings pitched and five runs in six innings pitched. That's just, you can't have that, especially not out of your ace, especially not out of the reigning NL Cy Young winner. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe the Cy Young got to his head. He came out, didn't really work as hard as he should have, and just came out thinking, oh, I'm just going to shut everybody down. But he's getting humbled right now, so if he wants to repeat, he's got to step it up. Yeah, just uh, across this season, he's only started um, uh, four games this season. Uh, a loss to the Mets uh, on opening day. He gave up three runs, only pitched 5.2, and only had two strikeouts. Um, and then gets the win in a complete game shutout. Only gave up three hits against Minnesota. And then a 15-3 to loss to the Phillies where he gave up the nine runs, only had four strikeouts. And Arizona, another 5-0 loss where he gave up every single one of the runs. But he had nine strikeouts, which, you know, that's a silver lining. But nine strikeouts doesn't do anything when, first of all, your offense sucks. But you give up five runs. It's not going to help you. The only thing he's not doing is walking. Yeah, totally agree. You can have as many strikeouts but if you're giving up hits and earn runs that is causing your team to lose, at the end of the day, no one's going to care about the strikeouts. So you could be in last place in your division, lead the league in strikeouts. How does that help your team? Yeah. Let's talk about a guy that underperformed last year and seems to have stepped it up again this year, Garrett Cole. Dude, absolutely shit on the Twins over the weekend. Nine innings pitched, 10 strikeouts, one walk, two hits, no runs. Gets the complete game shutout. Just absolutely dominant shit. Yeah, he's he's looking lights out this year. Um, definitely seems like he's found his found his way. Uh, all all of his pitches are moving right now. Like he does not have an off pitch right now. Um, but the thing is, he just looks comfortable on the mound. Um, I know last year he got in his head a lot, hot head. Um, I think he got ejected. Uh, and got on like a two-week suspension last year, but he just looks calm, cool, and collected on the mound, which is what you want out of your ace. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what we've been waiting for because we all understand it's very hard to play for the Yankees. I think we get it. We see it for everybody. And the the New York media loves to hate on Garrett Cole, and the New York fans love to hate on Garrett Cole, but he's just trying to shut him up this year, it looks like. Yeah. Absolutely. And I know you already talked about it, but that that game between the Twins, an absolute pitching duel between Pablo Lopez and Garrett Cole. Ace first ace, your guy came out on top. Yeah. Couldn't Garrett be Cole 
Garrett Cole is their guy this season that they are relying to hopefully get them in the World Series this year. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen, though. But it's not the playoffs, so we don't know. Luis Castillo, though, continues to shine. Seven innings pitch, two hits, no runs, no walks, nine Ks. Luis Castillo, another guy who just seems to, he has the change of scenery, he's settled in in Seattle, and he's just absolutely killing it. Yeah, and I've always been high on Luis Castillo, so when, when he was getting pooped on and struggling on the mound, it was it was rough. But I'm I think he's found his home in Seattle. He feels comfortable with his group of guys. Um and that's how you pitch better. When you're comfortable having a fun time playing, you're not stressed about what's going on out on like in the in the dugout and on the field. So when you when you're less stressed, you're gonna pitch better. That's just how it works. Yeah, the only thing right now causing the Mariners stress is that designated hitter spot. Good Lord. Their DHs through the 17 games have not recorded an RBI and are a combined 5 for 56, batting a 0 8 I'll give him a Zuna. Yeah, trade Ozuna for all of their de- designated hitters. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll take Luke Voigt. Hands down, I'll take Luke Voigt over Marcelo Zuna. Yeah, uh, uh mm, I don't know. Actually, yeah, yeah, I'd take Luke Voigt. I was about to say, how's that even? Luke Voigt sucks, though. They both suck. Yeah, but at the end of the day, bases loaded, bottom of the ninth, two outs, three two count. I'm trusting Luke Voigt a hundred times more than I'm trusting Marcelo Zuna. Maybe. You're crazy, dude. I don't trust Luke Voigt. He sucks. <laughs> All right, let's move on. All right, let me talk about the A's pitching staff because we're talking about people that suck. Just absolutely horrendous. They are 30th in just about every category for a rotation. They've got a 7.74 ERA. That's 30th, which is last, in case anybody didn't know. They've got a 58 ERA plus 30th. 6.65 FIP, that's 30th. A 1.72 WHIP, that's also 30th. And so is everything else. The 16.6K percentage, the 12.4 walk percentage, the 1.98 home runs per nine in a rather pitcher-friendly ballpark is crazy. Um, 36.6% ground ball rate. That's also 30th. And they've got a negative 2.4 F-war across their pitching staff. That's also 30th. It's horrendous. Like, we knew the A's were going to be bad. Didn't think they'd be the worst at every single pitching statistic. I mean, I had a feeling. I mean, is is there? Correct me if I'm wrong. Is Kyle Muller their ace right now? I believe so. It's like Kyle Muller, um, Shintaro Fujinami. Uh, I I honestly I don't think I can name another one. <laughs> but, so let's just say their most recent game with the Cubs, ten to one loss. Kyle Muller, four innings pitch, gave thirteen hits, six runs two walks, and three strikeouts through yeah. 98 pitches through four innings. And right now over the season has an ERA of 7.23. Yep. Tonight their starter is Ken Waldachuk. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. They, yeah, I mean, it definitely explains their three and, was it three and 14 start? Indeed. They have, uh, they've yet to win two games against one team. It's 
and it's not going to get any easier easier because they got one more game with the Cubs, a series with the Rangers, and a series with the Angels. Yeah, not looking like fun. Their best chances against the Reds um, coming up at the end of April. Yeah, I'll go ahead and say they'll be lucky to win 60 games. Uh, 60 is a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's time to get Billy Bean back in the front office. <laughs> we need some money ball from the A's. Let's see it. <laughs> All right. Anything else you've got for the MLB recap, Colin? Uh, yeah. I just everyone's got to keep an eye out on that three-headed monster in the NL West: Arizona, San Diego, Dodgers. That I think at the end of the season is going to come down one game separation between all three. Oh, okay. Dude, I love the Diamondbacks. I've been high on them since before the season started, and they're really making me look smart. <laughs> yeah, they're they're looking good right now. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. Zach Gallen is Zach Gallen, that. Corbin He's, Carroll. It's it's gonna be an interesting season. Right now they're up you. seven to three on the Cardinals. Yeah, and that's that's not easy, man. The Cardinals are good. Yeah, not good enough to be uh over five hundred, but they're good. Yeah. Over. Oh. Oh well. <laughs> All right. Anything else you got? Uh Oh yeah. One more thing. Marlins surprising start nine to eight. Big help from Luis Arias and Yuli Gurriel. Just yep. I did not. I did not expect them to be nine and eight. To be honest. Yeah, I, I didn't either. Especially with you know the struggles that we've seen from Alcantara. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Jazz missed a game or two. Uh, he came out, played hero, crushed a three-run home run tonight. Edward Cabrera getting the win. I know me and Colin have nightmares of Edward Cabrera and MLB the show. <laughs> yeah, the dude, the dude's a freak, absolute freak. Yeah, MLB but, the uh, show. What was that? Twenty one. MLB the show. Oh, Twenty one. Yeah. Future Stars card. Ugh. Yeah, that sinker. Whew. I definitely got no hit in a ranked seasons game by him. I'll, I'll admit it. All right, enough diamond dimes. <laughs> All right, let's get into some statistical leaders around the league. This all as of um, April 17th, which was yesterday's games. We'll start with the home run leaders in each league. In the NL, tied at the top, Pete Alonso and Patrick Wisdom with eight. That's a fantastic start for both, especially Patrick Wisdom. Yeah, Patrick Wisdom surprised me because he was off to a very slow start. And just the past week, he has been absolutely mashing. And I think, what, six home runs out of the last eight days? Yeah, something like that. Something ridiculous. But, yeah, I mean, you can expect Pete Alonso to be toward the top in home runs all season. But that's all he's going to do. Yeah, and then in the AL, kind of surprising to me, Rafael Devers leads it with seven. Kind of surprised to not see Aaron Judge up here. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Judge had that opening day home run. Uh, but Rafael knows he's going to have to step up for that Boston team, especially with uh, Duvall going out. Um, he's got a lot of ground to cover uh, on the offensive side. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, let's talk hits. Acuna leading the National League in hits with 28. That's a, a pretty solid number there. Yeah, abs- he's... He's, it seems like he's back to his old his old self. Everything on him looks lights out. But over in the AL, rocking with him, Bo Bichette also having 28 hits. 
yeah, both of them looking very good. And I think Boba Shett is kind of like, you know, it's what, third season now? Fourth season in the MLB? He's definitely settled in. He is playing exactly like what we thought he would be, which is a consistent hitter at the plate with a solid glove at short. Yeah, he's definitely feeling a lot more comfortable. Just get, I mean, all the cameras sort of going away from him because definitely when he entered the league, um, being a relative of Dante, a lot of eyes on him. But uh, now that the pressure is sort of lifted off the shoulders, he can just get comfortable and play play his game. Yeah, don't even get me started on the hair. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. All right, batting average leaders. Who else but Luis Arise at the top in the National League, batting four fifty five? Yeah, man, dude, he's going for that back to back. Like I said, he's he's carrying the Marlins right now for yeah. offense. Just watching that guy's approach at the plate, like you can tell, he just gets hits. Yeah, he's got that. He's got that standard approach. So his his first two strikes. He's going to take hacks to try to leave the ballpark, get those extra base hits. But when he's got two strikes, he's choking up and he's putting the ball in play. I think he has the least amount of strikeouts in the NL um, for like everyday lineup players. Wow. It's not surprising. The guy just gets on base. Yeah. And that's what you want. Uh, what is he batting in their lineup? Is he, is he two? Uh, he's either one or two. Um, today. He batted. He batted third. Third, yeah, because they're gonna have Jazz at leadoff. Garrett Cooper and so Jazz. Interestingly me. enough, uh, batting sixth today. Uh, birdie led off, and Garrett Cooper at second. Nah, I don't like that. Yeah, me I neither. think I think if you have that lineup, honestly, I I would like Jazz at the leadoff, and then put someone like Jesus Sanchez, or even put Soler at the two. Yeah, so they're batting fourth right now. Actually, went three for four today. Okay, I I guess keep him fourth then. What do I know? (laughs) And then in the American League, the batting average leader right now, Matt Chapman. He's just been – it's kind of dropped, surprisingly, at a little bit of an off week. But that, you know, or AL Player of the Week last week, um, it's not surprising. The kid is just on fire. Yeah, Not a kid, I mean, grown ass adult, but no one should be like sad that a batting average dropped to four ten. Like, just over three hundred in the MLB is like awesome. Yeah, so especially have... through like fifteen games. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, your team right now, you have Bo leading in the hits and Matt leading in batting average. It's Setting up for a fun season. Yeah. Once again, another team that's making me look pretty good. Yeah, don't don't get too high on yourself yet. They're <laughs> uh, they're they're not making the playoffs. That's cap. They're winning that division. <laughs> All right, our RBI leaders right now. There's three at the top in the National League at 17. Matt Olson, Francisco Lindor, and Brian Reynolds. Matty O, baby. But also just having two in the same division with Matt Olson and Lindor, that's that's another battle we're gonna have to look out for. Always between, especially with I mean, it's early, but Philly, Philly's looking not too good right now. So all eyes are on New York and uh, Atlanta. 
but also Brian Reynolds. I mean, this guy's never, never slept on. He, he's a star in the NL. Oh, certainly. And it's a contract year. So, you know, he's got to turn up the, their negotiations have stalled a little bit with Pittsburgh. Look, he's a, he's the kind of guy that needs to get paid. And if the pirates don't want to pay him, he's going to leave. Yeah. I'll, I'll go talk to him when I'm in, when I'm in Pittsburgh, uh, in two weeks. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, make sure you talk to him. Maybe talk to David Bednar, see what he's up to. Yeah, I'll get them both to come to the ATL. Yeah, sounds good. Actually, you know, I don't need Bednar. Iglesias coming back soon. Yeah, but I mean, I wanted to set up in one closing. You're telling me you would be mad to have both of them in the in the bullpen? Hey, man, what about Minter? Minter's the sad guy, bro. Seven, eight, nine. Fair enough. You can't leave out Jesse Chavez. My bad. He'll he'll pitch innings five through seven or five five and six. We'll give him five and six. Ah, you tripping? All right. In the AL RBI leaders tied at the top: Ryan Mountcastle and Jordan Alvarez with twenty each. Yeah, that's that's big. That's a big number, especially for the first month. Yeah, almost half of Mountcastle's coming from one game. His nine RBI game, uh, just I think a week and a half ago. Obviously boosted him up here, but Jordan Alvarez, who uh, relatively struggling Astros team, Jordan has been definitely one of the shining stars in that lineup. Yeah, I mean, he's, besides Jose Altuve, he's their guy that they look to shine on. Um, He's their spark in the lineup that if he's not hitting a home run, he's hitting a single. Oh, That's that's definitely because he... Last year, he struck out a lot, um, but this year, he's really shortened his approach to put the ball in play. Boy, that was that was his goal in spring training, to sort of change his approach, stop trying to, on 2-2 two, two counts, stop trying to go big fly, just put the ball in play and give your offense a chance to score runs. Yeah, he's doing a great job of it. Let's talk stolen bases. In the National League, Nico Horner, off to a great start in the stolen bases. He's got nine. Not a surprise. Especially with the uh, the new pickoff adjustments, uh, definitely going to see an increase on stolen bases this year. And with how fast Nico is, it's I, I honestly was not surprised to see him uh, lead in this category. Yeah, and then in the American League, two teammates here from the Orioles, Jorge Mateo and Cedric Mullins, tied at eight. Yeah, I mean that's a nightmare for any catcher, knowing oh, yeah. with. Jorge Mateo and Cedric Mullins, like they're getting on base. It's just like you got to put it in your head that you know that they're stealing second or fourth pitch. Yeah, yeah. The, those guys, they've they've got lightning quickness, especially Mateo. Yeah, the dude. Uh, how many how many inside the park home runs do you think he's going to get this year? Uh, three. Wow. Okay. <laughs> he's just okay. like that, man. That's uh. Wow, it's a big, big ballpark. It's not gonna happen, but <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, some something's brewing over there in Baltimore. Let me tell you, the the young bucks came out firing this year. Yeah. All right, let's talk baseball reference war for position players. Luisa Reyes leading the national league with one point three. Again, no surprise. Yeah, look, he's just got value. That's his thing. He's a valuable player. In a lineup, 
if the Marlins, you know, or, or just whatever team he was on, if whatever team he's on had better players getting on base in front of him, he'd probably be leading in RBIs. Yeah, I, absolutely. But, hey, the Marlins are working. They're definitely heading in the right direction. Um, but, like I said before, not surprised position player at B-War. Um, but also you got Matt Chapman over in the AL at 1.2. Literally just point one behind them. Yeah, two guys that leading in batting average. And look, when you get on base and you hit the ball, you're going to have a good war. That's just how it goes. And both of these guys, shining examples. Exactly. All right, let's talk pitchers. In the K's department, Zach Gallon and Logan Webb tied up at the top with 28 K's. Yeah, uh, definitely... Definitely two names you would not think to be at top. Like when you're in the NL thinking of K's, you're thinking Sandy Alcantara and Corbin Burns. Those yeah. are top two names that come to mind. Uh, so to see Zach Gallen and Logan Webb both shining right now, um, happy for them. Logan Webb had a really good year last year, uh, looking to stack on and hopefully lead. The Giants got to pick it up. Like yeah. he's pitching well, but. The Giants are struggling tremendously. I think they have five. Yeah, five and like, eleven. Yeah, five and eleven. Yikes! But Zach Gallen, like we said before, playing a huge part in the in Arizona's success right now. So if he can keep it up again, like you predicted, he might be our NL Cy Young winner at the end of the year. Hey Amen. Just just saying, look out for it. But in the American League. The strikeout king at the moment, Pablo Lopez, 33. Crazy. The guy is just on fire. He got paid. He's just killing it. Right now, he looks like the AL Cy Young winner. But he's got some competition. Guys like Luis Castillo, Garrett Cole, other guys in the AL just absolutely killing it. It's going to be a very tough race if these guys keep it up. Yeah, and it's really going to come down to... Pablo, his innings pitched, how much is he going to be used? How many close games is he going to pitch in? How many complete games is he going to have to throw? So depending on that, we'll see if he starts racking up them those Ks or if we just see like a slow increase in them to where you get like Garrett Cole who could throw six innings, 12 Ks every day because um, his offense is just going to explode. Yeah, exactly. He needs support, and that's a big part of just staying in the game and racking up those strikeouts. Let's talk ERA, though. That's the best way to support your guys on the offense. Marcus Stroman right now leading the National League at a 1.0. I love it. Marcus Stroman definitely has seen his struggle years the past couple of years, so to see him come out to a strong start in this first month is exciting. Yeah, I feel like Ever since he was in Toronto, we've been waiting for something to happen. He gets traded to the Mets. What, he pitched one game, maybe, and then was out. And it just seems like all we've been doing with Marcus Stroman is waiting for him to break out. And he's never going to be a big strikeout guy, but you can count on him to let the ball get put in play. The Cubs did exactly what they needed to by making their infield better, arguably. But... You know, I feel like they've done the right things to support Marcus Stroman as their ace, and he's definitely showing it off. Yeah, exactly. His biggest thing is that he creates ground balls. 
he does not give up the big fly. So that is what Chicago is looking for, especially at Wrigley, uh, not being a super uh, big ballpark. So a lot of a lot of home runs leave the field. Um, yeah. So um, looking at it, if he can just keep getting those ground balls, especially to his number one shortstop over there, Dansby Swanson, he's going to be fine. Yeah, that infield duo is going to really help him with Swanson and Nico Horner. They can turn double plays. They're super quick. They can get to just about any ball. So as long as he's letting them get it, they're going to keep doing what they do. Let's talk about the AL, though. Sonny Gray coming out, surprising a lot of people, 0.53 ERA. Yeah, it's. He, I think he's another one of those guys that just needed that change of scenery. Um especially coming out of Cincinnati. Because um, where, where is he at now? Uh, totally. I want to say he's in Minnesota, but I could be wrong. Minnesota. But yeah, just like Strowman, he's one of those guys that has definitely seen his struggle years. So to see him doing well is exciting. It seems like this is the year where guys who have been struggling tremendously in the past are off to a very hot start. Yeah, I can confirm he is in Minnesota. But the AL in general, they're the only league with a, any pitchers under a one ERA, and they've got the top five in ERA right now in the league. Sonny Gray at .53. Uh, Jeffrey Springs of the Rays at a 0. 0.56. Luis Castillo, .73. Otani, a .86. And Garrett Cole, a .95. And then our National League leader, Marcus Stroman, at a one. Yeah, it's... Especially with AL being known for being your more offense-heavy teams, it's exciting to see pitchers come out and just pitch lights out. Yeah. And then for WHIP, National League leader Anthony Desclafani, it is 0.632. This is a big stat, and it, I wouldn't say it gets overlooked a lot, but I think its importance gets overlooked when it comes to just how well a guy can pitch and just put up quality innings. Because if you're not letting guys on base, then you're obviously killing it. Yeah, abs- I definitely agree with that. And he's still with the Giants, correct? I know I'm asking. Yes. Yeah, he is. Um, so that's another pitcher pitching well, but they're not winning games. Yeah, a lot of that attributed to their very lackluster bullpen probably. Yeah, um, yeah, that's definitely going to play a big part in not winning games is when your starters throw six, five or six good innings, but when your bullpen pitchers just can't get it done, it's going to be hard. But no, definitely Anthony um, putting up fabulous numbers this year along with teammate Logan Webb. Exciting stuff. Yeah, for sure. And then in the American League, our leader in whip is Jeffrey Springs, a guy we just talked about. He's killing it right now, a 500 whip. So he's only letting up a batter or, you know, a batter every other inning, essentially base runner every other inning. Yeah. And again, it comes with Tampa's success. So he played a big part in that 13 and 0 run. And he's, even with them losing, he's still pitching well. Yeah. Absolutely killing it. And it, once again, just another surprising piece of this Tampa Bay Rays rotation that's looked so good. 
Yeah, uh, definitely had to step it up with losing all their big name pitchers. Um, I think his last start, he came out and threw three innings, and they got the win. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, yes, um, I believe so. So that's if if he can come out when he needs to start a game and throw three, four solid innings, it's going to give, especially for bullpen days, it's going to put your team in a strong position. Yeah. All right. Let's show the arm barn some love. The saves leaders in the National League, there's four of them tied at the top. David Robertson of the Mets, David Bednar of the Pirates, A.J. Minter of our Braves, and Josh Hader of the Padres, all tied at four. See, that's um, almost a month in. That's those are some low numbers. Yeah, that's, you'd think you'd see a lot more from at least somebody. Yeah, it's... But, hey, I'm happy to see A.J. Minter's name up in there. Phenomenal pitcher and a lot of times overlooked, in my opinion. Most definitely, because he's not often in the closing role, and he won't be once Rizal Iglesias comes back. But A.J. Minter has put up solid seasons the last two, three years. Yeah. Um, A.J. Minter is just that guy you, you want to root for. And to see him stepping up when Rossio Glacius is down is exciting because it's also showing our bullpen depth as well. Uh, guys can pitch in different roles, and that's what, that's what makes a successful bullpen. Um, Josh Hader's not a surprise up there. David Bednar's not a surprise. Those are top arms in the league. Uh, David Robertson is a surprise for me uh, just because he's getting up there in age. Yeah, 38 years old, actually turned 38 nine days ago. Um, definitely getting up there in age, but showing to be a, a pretty solid replacement for the injured Edwin Diaz. Yeah, well, let's just see if he can keep it up. Um, yeah, Mets, the Mets in general aren't very good at keeping it up. Yeah, because what he also splits, is he splitting saves with Adam Adovino? Uh I'm not sure. I haven't seen, I haven't watched a lot of Mets baseball, I'll be honest. I know, um, I know Adam Adovino got the save last night, if I'm not mistaken. So they definitely, when Edwin Diaz is, is he coming back at all this year? I don't know. So originally he was going to be out for the whole season. Now it looks like he's making a pretty good recovery from his surgery. So possibly comes back in September, but uh, not a sure thing yet. Yeah. If, if I'm the Mets, um, just sort of depends where they're at. If they're sitting comfortable, comfort, comfortly, comfortably. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I can't <laughs> speak right now. I'm not good with English, guys. But uh, it's only your first language. <laughs> possibly splitting between three three guys working in a closing role. Um, not going to be able to put up numbers. Yeah, exactly. And then in the American League. Uh, Jordan Romano sits upon the top by himself with six, only one ahead of Emmanuel Classe of the Cleveland Guardians. Hey, Romano is my closing pitcher in uh, Diamond Dynasty, so you know all about him. Yeah, man. I used him as well, that uh, player of the month card. Slider is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. And then he can get up there in triple digits. Definitely, definitely going to be a closer for the future. Yeah, he's a, a big part of why I think the Blue Jays can be successful is him. He anchors down every game. 
and he does it consistently. Obviously, you know, six saves, nothing to scoff at. We know, you know, we were talking about the low save numbers, but he's only pitched in eight games. He's got six saves. You can't ask for much more. Yeah, he's calm, cool, and collected and doesn't let the big moment get to his head. Yeah. And that that's what you need as a closer. Because if you have a pitcher who's phenomenal but just gets in his head, what's he going to do? He's going to blow almost every save. Yeah, that's just going to happen. Let's talk a little bit more advanced statistics. But for the pitcher's side, pitching – Baseball reference war leader in the National League. A bit of a surprise, Graham Ashcraft of the Cincinnati Reds with a 1.4. Yeah, it's it's definitely surprising to see Graham up there. Um, did not have high hopes for him again this year, but that's probably because he's on the Cincinnati Reds. Almost, If your name's not Hunter Green, no one knows who you are. That's a fair point. But only his second season in the league and certainly doing a great job. He's 2-0 and right now, three starts. He's pitched 19 innings, only given up three runs this season. Um, the, the most impressive part, his ERA plus at 340. Obviously, all statistics ending in a plus are averaged at 100 as the league average. So a 340 ERA plus is nothing short of outstanding. Yeah, and I think his last start came against the Phillies, he threw six innings, gave up four hits, four walks, four Ks, but no runs. Threw 89 pitches in six innings, set his team up to win. Again, their the offense exploded, and by the fifth inning, it was 8 nothing. So he really just – he was comfortable pitching yeah. with the lead. That's all you got to do. Yeah, it's hard to do if you're a Cincinnati Red, but when you get the opportunity, it seems like Graham Ashcraft's the best at seizing it. Hey, they got a better record than the Phillies, so don't hate on the Reds. That's a good point. Let's talk about the AL. Your pitching batting war reference, or ugh, your batting war leader. Sorry, your pitching baseball reference war leader. I feel like you right now. Garrett Cole, the 1.5 B war. It's not surprising. We were just talking about Garrett Cole with the strikeouts and everything else that he's doing so well. Of course, he's going to be up here for war. Yeah, and, and like you said, this is not a shock to anybody to see Garrett Cole at the top of any stat besides maybe earned earn runs given up. Yeah. Um, but my the, the best thing that he's doing right now is he is limiting his walks. Last year, he used to rack them up. He used to have as many walks as he did strikeouts. I think... Actually, I think for last year, one of the games he had, first three innings, he went strikeout, walk, strikeout, walk, just alternating for the first three innings, which is not what you want to do because you're putting the opposing team in position to score every inning. Yeah, he's definitely limiting the walks this season. That's a, a great I, or a great thing to point out. Only eight walks through this season. Um He's just killing it. He's lights out. He's pitched 20, 28.1 innings. That's the league leader right now. Hasn't given up a home run, which is kind of crazy, and just continues to look dominant. That's exactly what you need from the guy, and I'm not surprised to see him here. Yeah, the not giving up a home run is surprising, especially at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, 
No kidding. It's like playing in a playground. <laughs> All right. Our overall war leaders in both divisions. Graham Ashcraft takes it home in the NL, uh, beating out all the batters in the NL. Just one point ahead of one Larissa Reyes, but still some fantastic stuff from Graham Ashcraft. Obviously, we don't need to talk about him again, but very happy to see him here. And then in the AL, who else but Shohei Otani? It's, again, not surprising. Dude's a freak on the field, and we can expect this. All season long. Oh, yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, it's we are in the Shohei Otani era. He He's probably going to go down as the best of all time. Yeah, it's kind of hard to rival it when you know you do it so well on both sides. I know it's early and people probably hate, hate on me for saying it, but yeah, he will be the best baseball player of all time at the end of his career. Yeah, as long as he can go, you know, a little bit longer than some guys, because I think people overlook the fact that, you know, he was a rookie in 2018. He was only like he was 23 years old, so that's not that old for a rookie. But didn't I, I wasn't that impressed by his rookie season. I know he won the rookie of the year mainly because he did it on both sides, but 2019 and 2020 were not very good. And then gets the Tommy John, you know, comes back. Wins the MVP in 21. Obviously, fantastic stuff. MVP runner-up 2022. But we got to see this sustained. And and that's going to be the hardest part of his entire career is sustaining the, um, you know, his abilities in both pitching and hitting. Yeah, and don't forget World Baseball Classic champion. Of course. Not that that factors into anything in the MLB, but I agree. No, but here's the thing. I think him winning that sparks something for this year. That's true. Yeah, I, I like that idea. I think like it sparked a second flame in him because the dude, like like even last year, was a freak. He looks even better this year. Oh yeah, like he just he's an undeniable force on a baseball field. Yeah, I mean when you can hit a ground ball to shortstop and beat it out, and then hit a ball five hundred feet. And then throw 102 miles an hour. For six innings. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave you with that. How? Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk NFL news. Bunch of stuff going on. Biggest news, of course, Jalen Hurts deal. Five years, $255 million extension. Highest paid player in NFL history. Getting 51 per year. 179.3 million guaranteed. This is a crazy contract. It's insane, and he deserves every cent of it. Yeah, he's just ridiculous. And the crazy thing is, there's some other guys that are going to be getting extended in this offseason, most likely. And, you know, one, maybe both, maybe all three, honestly, are worthy of more. So we'll just have to see. But I do want to talk about some things that the Eagles coaches and owner have said uh, Nick Sirianni back in January said, it's like having Michael Jordan out there. He's our leader. He's our guy that obviously reflected in this new paycheck. But Eagles owner Jeffrey Lurie had a similar sentiment. He said, the hardest part for sure is the scarcity of really good quarterbacks, and we got one. We got a very special player. It's good to see because Jalen Hurts got slept on in his draft. 
ended up what he got picked. Was he a second rounder or was he just late first? I think he was. A, I think he was early second, if I recall. Because I think the Eagles traded away their first. Yeah, that could be the case. Um, drafted. Yep, round two, pick 53. So kind of like a mid-second. And nobody really expected it. Uh, but he came to Philly at the right time. That's for sure. Yeah, and it's one of those things like best, best QB to come out of Oklahoma in the past six years. Yeah, I'd probably say. Um, but he, him as a leader on that field, I wouldn't want anybody else. The way he cares and controls his guys, like they'll run through a brick wall for him because he takes care of them. Yeah, he seems like the most, the, like, he seems like the best teammate in the league. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's one of those guys. I mean, I know I'm an Alabama fan. Um, I loved watching him him play. The dude is an absolute stud, and he's a leader. Um, so Philly definitely got their guy. Um, but he also, in that class, fit the Philly system the best. So Philly definitely knew exactly what they were getting. Oh, yeah, for sure. And he's definitely flipped the script on the running back allegations. <laughs> if you will, <laughs> but look, he's just, he's crazy. He's strong. You know, he was a power lifter in high school, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, he just continues to shift this narrative of quarterbacks and, you know, a bunch of guys around the league are doing it, but I feel like he's probably doing it at the best level. Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely agree with you. He keeps playing like this. He, He's going to be top five for years to come. Yeah, and this big contract puts him at fourth uh, amongst the most guaranteed money in the league behind Deshaun Watson, of course, his full contract, $230 million, Russell Wilson with 196 and Kyler at 189.5. I feel like Jalen Hurts deserves more money than any of them, but I understand that you know he's only really been good for like uh, you know a year and a half. Yeah, uh, I I agree with that. Um, Russ, I mean, Russ is very, you can argue, because primetime Russ with Seattle was... Decent. I, I, <laughs> I, I, would, I would probably say a little bit better than decent. Nah, he was, he was. Yeah, Kyler can go home and play COD. Um, and Deshaun, Deshaun can do I'm his unspeakable gonna, things. I'm, I'm not going to go there. But it sets up the field for the next couple of years of quarterback signings. Yeah. Uh, it, we're, we're about to see some big numbers come through. Yeah, it definitely shifted the market for quarterbacks because Mahomes led the league with $45 million a year. Prescott was making 40 a year. Now this market's moved forward another $6 million. And what does this mean for the three big guys that need to get paid this offseason? Lamar Jackson, of course, but Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow need to be extended this offseason. Yeah, and they're I'd probably say they're probably gonna find deals around fifty to fifty-five million, if I had to say. Um 
But then at some point, the Ravens are going to have to decide how high they're willing to go with Jackson. And Jackson's just going to have to decide whether he wants to reconsider or like what's going to happen. It's it's going to be an interesting topic to stay on for the next year. Yeah, I, I certainly think that Burrow has the opportunity to make more money than Jalen Hurts now. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I think both of them will. Justin Herbert, like, he's a stud. Yeah, he it, doesn't he doesn't work with much with the Chargers. He's that's got true. Austin, Eck- Austin Eckler. He's got Keenan Allen, who's about to be put in a retirement home, and he got Mike Williams. Yeah, it's he's definitely got some interesting things, and in, you know, the Chargers franchise is just a shithole in general. So. You know, we'll have to see what they do, but I think Joe Burrow is a surefire one, and there's no telling what's happening with Lamar Jackson. It's it's another one of those things. It's just like I feel like, like we just talk about it every week. Yep. But some good news that we haven't really gotten to talk much about. Demar Hamlin has officially been cleared to play next season. Um, you know, we're not sure how big of a role he's going to have, how much he's really going to play early in the season because the Bills might take it slow. But some other news that we did get from this is that he confirmed it was Commotio Cordis that caused this collapse. Uh, talked in a press conference uh, that Commotio Cordis is the leading cause of death in young athletes across all sports. And that DeMar said that that's something that he's going to take personally and he's going to take a step to make a change with. This is a fantastic story, just through and through. Uh, just the heartbreak that we watched on January 2nd in Cincinnati – and just the entire world watching as, you know, and just hoping that he was okay. And then he turns out to be okay. And he's made such a hasty recovery now looking to make changes and help the future because of something that happened to him. It's, it's truly something that he has deserved and earned uh, the right to make a change. Yeah. And, I I remember watching that game because I had a big fantasy matchup on the line. Um, But that was just – it's one of the scariest things I've seen in a long time. Um, But being cleared four months after the accident happened, it's it's a miracle. Yeah. I I don't expect him to play every game this next – this next year i will tell you this his first game back he will have a pick six it's it just it things like these write themselves it's 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 like jose when jose fernandez passed d gordon hit that leadoff home run it's part of the script yeah just ask aaron foster yeah but but again, Demar, we're we're happy for you, man. Um, you were you were in our prayers the whole time, and we're happy to see you back. Yeah, a guy that you know now can be universally rooted for, no matter who you are. Yeah, if you root against him, you just need. To, yeah, you need to go somewhere else. You need to walk off the earth. You can pick a different sport. Go watch cricket. <laughs> All right. Let's speaking of the uh the scum of the earth. Commander's owner Dan Snyder is uh, they've officially reached an agreement to sell the team to Josh Harris, which we talked about last week. 
Uh, they've agreed on the price of $6.05 billion. It's not exclusive and not signed, but it appears that Josh Harris has won the bidding war and um, it'll be finalized pretty soon. But it looks like the commanders are a little bit disappointed with this price. They're still likely to accept it, but I, I feel like originally we were hearing $7 billion was going to be the number. And look, that's a lot of millions. That's quite a few millions, really. But when it comes to these guys, you know, a billion's a billion. Yeah, m- money's not a problem for these guys. Like, obviously, it's it, it's it's insane. Yeah, and but I will say, I, if this deal goes through at the reported price, Dan Snyder will have made a three hundred percent return on his investment. Jeez, fuck that guy, man. That's a lot of that's a lot of percents. Sure is three hundred of them. I count that high. Um, I think you might get caught up in the two hundreds. We'll 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 try we'll try a later time off (laughs) off record. All right, and prior to the Odell Beckham signing, the Ravens were reaching a deal to trade for Cortland Sutton, but Denver backed out late in negotiations. Oh, dude! If I'm Cortland, I'm I'm pissed. Yeah. He he wants out of there so bad. Yeah, Denver needs to let one of them walk. They need exactly, to let one of them. Exactly. And I, I think it needs to be Corlett Sutton that needs to walk. He, especially with Judy being out last year, the dude has just been taking beatings. Yeah. He needs a change of scenery. And I feel like when he gets that change of scenery, he will become a top 10 wide receiver in the league. The guy is very skilled, and we always just see it in flashes because he's always just taking the beating for this Broncos team. And if we could finally just see a full season of him with a good quarterback, I would just—I would agree with you. He'd be top ten. Yeah, like Denver ran the ball so much last year, so it was—he was blocking more than he was running routes. Yeah, it's—it's. It it's, it's, not good for your top wide receiver. It's not going to make him want to stay. He Definitely wants the not. ball, and he can impact a team as one guy. Certainly. And um, some pretty big news. Six-time Pro Bowler Gerald McCoy announced that he is retiring. Uh, obviously a former number three overall pick in 2010. Spent nine years in Tampa. Unfortunately left right before they won a Super Bowl. But Gerald McCoy has been... Uh, absolute force. I know I hated to go up against him for nine years, but definitely a guy that maybe not a Hall of Famer, but certainly a, a big impact player throughout his career. Yeah, you, you you can argue that. Some people might see that he needs to be in the Hall of Fame, but overall, the dude had an absolute amazing career. Like Like you said, the six-time Pro Bowls, that's no joke. That was back when they were doing Pro Bowls the right way. Um, but, yeah, him coming in, that number three overall pick, he had a lot of pressure on him coming in, and he stood up to that pressure, and he showed out in Tampa. I hated going up against him. Yeah, definitely he, bothered he, me as a Falcons fan. Terrifying. But, you know... You know, I guess we'll see ATL take over Tampa, or at least I hope so. 
Yeah. All right. I have to butt in breaking news. Sean Murphy just hit a fucking dick shot. 421. Oh. Yeah, I know. Uh, Atlanta takes a 2-0 lead on the Padres. We're coming for that revenge, let me tell you. All right. Back to the NFL. Cardinal safety Buda Baker has requested a trade. Ooh. It seemed like throughout this offseason, there was some murmurs, some rumors, whatever you want to say, that he was not happy. He wants to get paid. And looks like finally he's walking. So the Cardinals are just in shambles right now. They got a brand new coaching staff coming in, and Kyler's recovering from an ACL injury. Buda Baker requested a trade. D Hop likely to get traded. JJ Watt retired. Zach Allen and Byron Murphy left in free agency. Zach Ertz is recovering from an ACL injury. This Cardinals team is in shambles. I, I don't see the, this next season going much better than last year. Yeah, definitely. That new coaching staff has got a lot of work to do. Jonathan Gannon, Jeff Rogers, Nick Rollis. It's no one wants to be in Arizona right now. That team is broken. Yeah, and it's hot. Nobody wants to be in Arizona at this point in the year. I can see why J.J. Watt retired. He yeah. he saw all of this happen, and he was like, yeah, I'm out. Don't blame him at all. <laughs> um, but the Cardinals do have something good coming. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, they are revealing their u- new uniforms on Thursday, 420. Hey, Four, let's... hey 420 themed jerseys for the Cardinals? <laughs> hey, they would draw in a very big fan base. Let me an, tell you, an interesting fan base, but yes, big. Hey, willing to spend money, but no, it's true. Away from away from that topic. Yeah, I mean, as I haven't seen any sneak peeks, but as a fan, you should be excited. Yeah, because those jerseys fucking blow. Yeah, especially <laughs> the. Uh, uh, I, I like the black and red. Yeah, I don't mind that one. It's just the the red shoulders with the white chest. uh, You you look like you should be a nurse. (laughs) A nurse? (laughs) Yeah. Bro, I'm telling you, go pull up a picture and old-time nurses. Oh, okay. Okay, now I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, now now they wear like blue and stuff. Yeah, I was about like, to say. You, you saying their uniforms look like scrubs? No, like back in the day when <laughs> yeah. just when it was just all white and red. I get it. All right. Interesting news here. This seems like it just happened in a matter of no time. Dalvin Cook might be cut or traded before the draft. If if he gets cut, there's something. Wow, because the dude can play. Yeah, and like he's been, it came out like two weeks ago. He's been dealing with injuries, and he's just now getting surgery on it. He's been dealing with it for like three years, and now he's gonna come back healthy. Why would you want to get rid of him? I, I understand he's getting paid ten a year, which is tough for a running back, but that's really not all that much. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be other people you can cut besides your number two star on the field. Yeah. Like he is the reason you are winning games more than likely. Cause the only way your wide receivers are going to play well is if you set up a running game. 
the only way exactly. your running your running back are going to play well is if you set up a passing game. And if they rely, yeah, Alexander Madison can fill a role, not a hundred percent fill it. I mean, he'll get his touches, he'll score some touchdowns, but he's not Dalvin Cook. Yeah, and I don't know. This just seems crazy to me. It's just like where would he even go? ATL, maybe. I like Tyler Algier though. Yeah, I'm I'm very high on him. Honestly, I I'm trying to think where else. I mean, could he go to Chicago, Denver? He he doesn't want. He'll, he'd rather retire than go to Denver. They need a running game. Yeah, but it's Denver. Yeah, I don't know, man. We'll see. We're not GMs. Not, what what about Chicago, man? I know you got Khalil. You got Khalil Herbert, but. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I'm not a fan of that landing spot. Obviously, he could go, but I wouldn't want to go in that division. He could go anywhere. Yeah, like like we're we're not GMs. We don't know. It's a fair point, but we'll say props to Falcons GM Terry Fontenot. This guy's just having a burner this offseason. Absolutely killing it. Pick up former Steeler and Titan Bud Dupree to a one year deal. I love this pickup. I know Bud Dupree's kind of past his prime, but he was he's a solid pass rusher, and it, we just need to keep bolstering this defense. I love it. Yeah, give give this man the key to our city because he's having a phenomenal offseason. Um, but I love the Bud Dupree pickup. Um, his best year, not too long ago, 2019, um, he's looking to see if he can even partially recreate that. Uh, I think that year he was like second in the league in sacks. Um, but he's mainly brought in to mentor the young bucks. Because um, if they can even learn anything from Bud Dupree, they're walking away even better than how they came in. Yeah, I think that the Falcons have done a great job, especially with the defensive signings of like picking up a couple veteran guys, Bud Dupree, Calais Campbell. Like these are guys that have been around and they've done it at the highest level for so many years. They have the experience to teach these guys. Maybe they're not gonna, you know, they're not gonna play every snap, but they're gonna have an impact not just on the field, but in the locker room and just on the practice field with these guys. Yeah, you can expect a lot of one on one films like Bud Dupree, Clay's Campbell, just pulling guys and just teaching them how to play that position at a high level. Yeah. yeah, they're already in the NFL at a high level, but everyone in the NFL was that guy in college, was that guy in high school. So they got – they're going to amp it up a little bit and just create monsters. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Browns, they signed wide receiver Marquise Goodwin, and I'm – kind of happy with what the Browns have done so far with this receiving core. So it, it seemed like they didn't really have much outside of Amari Cooper and David Njoku last year. Now they add, uh, they added Elijah Moore just a couple of weeks ago. Now they pick up Marquise Goodwin. I think they've built like a, a, a sneaky, like pretty good receiving core in Cleveland. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, David Njoku in Joku was even out for a little bit last year. So the focus was just on Amari Cooper. And so last year, all they had to do was lock up Amari Cooper and stop Nick Chubb. 
and you you beat the Browns. This year, they have a lot more weapons to work with. So definitely expect some a, a better record with the Browns, honestly. Um, and you can't take them lightly this year because they can put up points on the board. For sure. And, you know, we're going to get to see a full season to Deshaun Watson as long as he doesn't fuck it up. <laughs> no massages. No pun intended. <laughs> All right. Off-season programs have begun in the NFL. Kyler Murray and Vikings defensive end Marcus Davenport, they collected their $1 million bonuses for their participation. Those are the league leaders in uh, voluntary off-season program bonuses. Um Jets defensive lineman Quinnen Williams did not report to their offseason program. I think he's just looking to get some money. Yeah, I, I don't blame him. Dude's a fucking beast. Yeah, dude, he's I mean, that's Q. I mean, we're we're just built different out in T Town. Let All me right. tell you. All right. <laughs> we're not letting you go on an Alabama spiel. <laughs> Fine. But Saquon and Dexter Lawrence both did not attend the Giants' voluntary offseason program, which, not a surprise again, Dexter Lawrence and Saquon both got to get paid. The Giants are in a tough position here because Saquon obviously hasn't signed his franchise tag. He probably won't because he's getting absolutely shit on with the franchise tag. Dexter Lawrence deserves the money. Guy's been absolutely killing it. And you're still not respecting him, but you gave $40 million a year to Daniel Jones. Yeah, that's just an absolute disrespect to both Saquon and Dexter, who play honest. Besides, I mean, I'll even say it. They're, they're the two best on the Giants lineup. Yeah. 100%. And for them both not to be paid yet, I don't blame them for not going. No. Hell, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go. I would. It'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I'm just gonna be like, hey, with Kyler with that one million bonus, he can, he's gonna buy that battle pass so quick, bro. He probably oh. already bought it. You know, he bought that special one too, the like thirty dollar one. He's got every CDL league camo. <laughs> every, he's got everything, dog. Dude, you know he's he has like his he has like an accountant that budgets his Call of Duty point um like purchases. <laughs> He's like, he calls his account. He's like, dude, they just dropped this sick ass skin. It's got a cool blueprint with it too. It's a big guy with cat ears. I'm surprised Call of Duty hasn't made a Kyler skin. I think the Cardinals would just cut him. Oh, <laughs> uh, they'd be like, all right, right he, that's enough. He wouldn't be able to see over the box, anyways. That's true. He'd he would have a small uh, hitbox though. <laughs> All right, enough of that. Dirty talk. for the heady. All right, enough Call of Duty talk. Josh Jacobs and Evan Ingram uh, have not signed their franchise tags and will not report to their respective offseason programs. I'm kind of surprised by Evan Ingram here. Uh, I thought that the Jaguars did a great thing by franchise tagging him. Obviously, he thinks he deserves more money, and you know he arguably does. The tight end franchise tag is not valued very highly, but you know you could give him a couple more million. I just think that you know one good season out of Evan Ingram doesn't really constitute giving him a, a pretty big contract. Yeah, I mean, before this Jacksonville season, he didn't blow anybody's mind. 
No. He was very average, if not below average. Granted, again, he was with the Giants, but like that was when they were really bad. Um, but I just need to see more of them. Yeah. Like you said, one season, it'd be a mistake for Jacksonville to just unload all their money on him uh, after one good season. Yeah, but then Josh Jacobs, uh, you know, he's had other good seasons for sure, but this season, obviously the best of his career. And he also deserves to get paid. He should not have been franchise tagged. I think they were just, uh, they didn't know what number to give him and they didn't want to let him walk. So they just threw a franchise tag on him. Yeah, absolutely. So Josh Jacobs, after the year he just had, um, let's just see if he can do it again. Yeah, I, I do think he gets paid, though, at some point this offseason. I don't think they're going to end up franchise tagging him for the season. Nah, yeah, I agree with you 100% on that one. All right, a little bit more NFL news. Brock Purdy admits that he could miss the entire 2023 season. Said he's not sure if he'll be able to play this year. This is interesting because obviously it was um, a UCL surgery, so like Tommy John's, and he got it just, I believe, a month ago now. It seems like he should be ready at some point in the season. Yeah, well, that surgery affects everyone differently. True. Everybody's got your own recovery time. So, I mean, if he he definitely does not need to come back unless he is 100% ready to go, especially with how young he is. He's got a big – he's got a long future awaiting him in the NFL. So he definitely does not need to rush anything. So, listen, if he thinks he's going to miss this year, so be it. They can manage – their offense is good enough to manage without Brock Purdy. Yeah, the hardest thing, though, for Brock Purdy is that this is his chance because if Trey Lance comes out and shows off, he's not coming back in. Yeah, it's his chance, but we saw last year what he could do. So, like, everybody knows it. Again, he's playing with one of the best offenses on the team, like, in the league. Um, We've seen Trey Lance before his injury – Granted, it wasn't with the same exact team. So, I mean, I'm all for giving Trey Lance the shot. I don't think he's going to succeed in it, if if I'm being completely honest. So, I think Brock Purdy can wait this year, and his spot is still waiting for him when he comes back. All right. Let's talk about just some two stupid things in news. Uh, Russell Wilson flipped his golf cart on Sunday. Nobody was hurt, but I did see a picture of it. It was very funny. I'm surprised that no one got hurt because those things, when they flip, they hurt. Oh, yeah. Real dangerous. I'm assuming he, he probably, he was probably driving it. Uh, I, I saw, I guess he um, he didn't see like a bunker, which if you're driving your golf cart on the on the fairway, you should probably know where the bunkers are. Yeah, that's usually... On a lot of golf courses, carts aren't allowed to go anywhere near bunkers. Exactly. So, I mean, I'm not going to go into it about where he should have been. No, Russell Wilson needs to stop being a scumbag on the golf course and show some etiquette. I flipped my fair share of golf courts, golf carts back in the day. I haven't flipped one. I've definitely spun one on accident. 
going down a hill too fast and then turning. That was scary as shit, but I have not yeah, flipped no. one yet. Um, my golf partner thought it'd be cool to try to Tokyo drift a golf cart. And I ended up breaking my middle finger on when it flipped. Because ah, I didn't sorry. I didn't pull I didn't pull my hand in. That's I tried stupid. to I tried to be Superman and you know like push the cart from falling. Yeah, and I, I don't think it. you're gonna stop that one, buddy. You're not gonna beat physics. <laughs> but no, it's it, it was deaf. It was hilarious when I first saw that. And yeah, Russell Wilson just needs to just stop. Just stop doing this. Stop golfing. Hey, just let him have his fun. No, no one was hurt. No Fuck one him. was hurt. Fuck Russell Wilson. All right, Antonio Brown. <laughs> I, I I had to shit on Russell Wilson because. I've shit on Antonio Brown enough, and I had to shit on somebody before this segment was over. Antonio Brown went on the Million Dollars Worth of Game podcast and said that Tom Brady cursed out his agent because Antonio hadn't signed his contract yet. (laughs) This is Tom Brady shit. He's a football guy through and through. This is what football guys do. They get mad at people. And Tom Brady seems... he's, He's a captain, all right? He is a guy that doesn't put up with bullshit. And if you're not going to sign your fucking contract when he wants you to, he's going to get mad. Yeah, I mean, I think Tom Brady has been put up with Antonio Brown for for a while now. Yeah. So, but like you said, I mean, you got to listen to TB. Exactly. Antonio Brown's just messed up in the head. I'm I'm just. Yeah. Go on, put that. In. Last thing Honestly, I want to do is sit here and talk about the problems with Antonio Brown. Yeah. I'll just stay stay out of the NFL. That's gonna make it better. All right. Yeah. Just keep rapping, bro. No. <laughs> what, dude? You don't no. like put that shit on? No. Absolutely <laughs> not. Bro, don't, don't tell know, me the dance know. ain't fine though. Dude, I don't know what's worse, that or him actually playing. Uh, I can think of worse things he's done. Seeing him in football cleats on the field out of the Steelers uniform is horrible. Yeah, that's true. Hasn't done very well. I don't should have just stayed in Pittsburgh, man. We'd, we'd be fine. Dude, if he stayed in Pittsburgh, he'd have fucking, I don't know what that would happen. He probably would have killed Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, dude, you're telling me he's going to fight Big Ben? Big Ben's going to... Stuff him six not, feet under. Not when he was that old. Bro. Big Ben could be 70 years old. And he's still kicking the shit out of Antonio Brown. I don't know about that, man. We, we're talking about how Antonio Brown's lost his mind. He's got a screw loose. I'm calling Luke. <laughs> I will make sure to send him this clip and see what he thinks. <laughs> but let's get into some draft talk. We got the full list of the prospects invited to the draft. Jordan Addison, Will Anderson, Brian Branch, Jalen Carter, Zay Flowers, Christian Gonzalez, Paris Johnson, Will Levis, Joey Porter Jr., Anthony Richardson, Bijan Robinson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, CJ Stroud, Keon White, Tyree Wilson, Devin Witherspoon, and Bryce Young. The only one I'm surprised by here is Keon White. Uh been kind of a sleeper, snuck into a couple of mock drafts and in, in the, you know, like the 30 spot, late twenties, but it it kind of sucks if if he doesn't go in the first round and he got invited to the draft. Yeah, I I expected this guy to go late second, early third. 
Yeah. And when I saw that he got invited, dude, they could bust his balls and just not draft him on the first day. Dude, I think that's what they're pulling right here. The NFL's like, let's let's get a guy who's, you know, we're going to get his hopes up. He's going to think he's going to be a first rounder, and then he's going to go like a couple picks into day two. All these Georgia guys sitting at the table across from him, and he's just sitting there, yellow jacket vibes and everything. It's <laughs> it could be messed up. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. But I mean, all these other guys, we've 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 talked we've talked about them. We everyone knew these guys. Another, I mean, Brian Branch. Wait, where in the first round do you think Brian Branch is going? Can't reveal much because I got my mock draft coming out later this week. But mm. he might be in the first round. I honestly can't I, remember. I'll be honest. I, I he was another one I had going in the second round. I did not like maybe like super late first round. Yeah, I don't know. There's some teams that need a safety, and he looks like a pretty good option. He's one of the best options. All right, you said it yourself. All right, let's talk a little more. Bama, Bryce Young made it a made a interesting call here. Definitely shaking some things up. He canceled his remaining pre-draft visits. Uh, another sign that. He's probably going to go number one, but he's also already visited with the Texans who drafted two. So does this certainly mean he's going number one? Because Vegas seems to think so. He's now a minus 2,000 to go first overall to the Panthers, which is crazy. But I I just, I don't know if I want to believe it yet because I'm still going to believe that CJ Stroud is the Panthers guy. But maybe Bryce Young really showed him in the interviews because he did it right after he made that meeting with the Panthers. It got wrapped up, and then a couple hours later, we hear that he canceled all of his visits. So maybe the Panthers were like, we're going with C.J. Stroud. Hate to break it to you. And the Texans had already been like, if you're on the board, we're taking you. So I don't know what this means. Most likely it means he's going to Carolina, which I think is the wrong decision. But, you know. Once again, not a GM. Yeah, he definitely had his interview with the Texans and then was really hoping that the Panthers were going to take him at one because no one wants to be in Houston, man. That's true. Carolina has built something nice, so I think anybody would like to be a part of it. Yeah, Are they getting a new stadium? Did I see that as well? I know Buffalo is yeah. talk for one. I've heard about it. I don't know if it's like a done deal yet. Hmm. Interesting, but it's definitely draw. I think it's drawn more attention uh, for draft day because it's. I think it's going to be a last minute decision, honestly, for Carolina. Yeah, like I, I don't think they can go wrong with either pick. In my opinion, I know you think CJ Stroud's definitely number one. I'm not going to go into why I think Bryce Young is number one because. We've all heard it. We've all heard why everybody thinks everybody's going number one. Yeah, so it's it's just we'll see. Yeah, that's all you can say is we will see. Fuck it, Will Levis number one. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not watching NFL. I'm turning the draft off if I see that. Like, all that, right, that'd be, that'd be the stupidest move in the world. That's true. Well, here's something stupid. Peter King of NBC Sports said. I will not be surprised if in the edge category, Tyree Wilson is picked ahead of Will Anderson. You don't want me to talk about that. I don't, but 
Let me continue this. I particularly will not be surprised if Houston, whether it two or through a trade down, if they don't take a quarterback. Is this guy so, fucking lost his mind? If, if I read that correctly, is he saying if Houston does not go quarterback, they're going Tyree Wilson? That's what it sounds like. Oh, dude, that's that's brutal if you're a Houston fan, let me tell you. Because just his mindset to say that Tyree Wilson's better than Will Anderson, he just needs, he needs to get, be fired from NBC. I mean, I guess there's a reason he's at NBC. And yeah. not any of the other big names. Um, There's no telling, man. That's just that's a crazy take. Again, I could sit here for hours and talk a talk about how Peter King's just <laughs> an absolute <laughs> dumbass, but I'm not gonna do that. Well, it, I'm just I'm just gonna stay say that Peter King, please never never open your mouth about draft talk ever again. That's so I'm gonna say. I will say. That other people have said that Houston not taking a quarterback is a possibility. Um, per Luke Sawhook, um, I don't know who he works for, but he said that they may trade the pick. It sounds like they really could be waiting for Caleb Williams. So if they trade the pick, could allow them to gather some assets to either have tons of assets to move up to number one next year or be lucky enough to get number one next year and get additional assets to build for the future. So there there is that opportunity but with you know kind of a uh, you know the new coaching staff with D'Amico Ryans I think D'Amico Ryans wants to come in and win and you're not doing that with Davis Mills Yeah absolutely but I could definitely listen if if I'm sorry I'm selling this Tyree right now but if they want Tyree so bad trade away the pick and get him at like 8 or 9 or even lower than that yeah, but, like it, realistically, if they want him, they could probably trade down with like, I don't know, the Lions. If they want Tyree Wilson, they let, and they let um, Detroit just draft Will Anderson, then it wouldn't really be a problem. I don't think Tyree Wilson goes to any of the teams before that. Maybe the Seahawks. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Um, Will Anderson to the Lions, that would be kind of – the Lions' defense looked really good last year, and just them uh, adding Will Anderson. I wouldn't say really good. I think Aiden Hutchinson looked good. My bad. They looked a lot better than previous years. Yes, I'll give you that. And I know there's a lot of high-scoring games, but previous years their defense was non-existent. Well, let's yeah. talk about the opinion of a guy that I actually respect, Ian Rappaport. He said that he'd be surprised if the Texans do not pick the quarterback of the future with the number two. Finally, somebody with a brain. Yeah. So, yeah. who knows what's going to happen. I'm just going to keep thinking that they're going quarterback. Like you said, DeMarco Ryan wants to win. D'Amico. D'Amico. He was an Alabama player, man. You should know this. Bro, I'm... That shows you how much I pay attention to the Texans. Fair enough. But he did play for the Texans. Ex- exactly. Um, but he was he was a Bama player. You should know this. He played under I, Shula. Listen, man. Don't get me started. Bandwagon. Uh, <clears throat> <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> I 
They're not they're not winning with Davis Mills. Okay, yes. I, I can agree with that one. Okay. So pick a damn quarterback. Yes. You heard it here first. Colin said that the Texans need to pick a damn quarterback, and I agree. Giving it the <laughs> second and short stamp of approval. <laughs> Let's go. All right. So we're closing in on the draft, and there's just so much uncertainty. Bryce Young might go one. CJ Stroud might go one. Three different teams don't even have first-round first grades on Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. Some of them, maybe both, might go in the top ten. So th- there's just no telling what's going on with this quarterback class. Maybe Hendon Hooker goes in the top ten. Nobody knows what's happening right now. We do know that there's a lot of teams looking for a quarterback, and there's the opportunity for all four of these guys to go in the first round, and maybe Hendon Hooker as well. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're going to say that, just go ahead and say Malik Cunningham's going to be up there. I don't know about but, that. Uh, <laughs> um, I, mean, I mean, you're making statements like Hendon Hooker's going to be up there. Do I not say Stetson Bennett's going to be up there? No, Hendon Hooker could actually be up there. I don't think so. I think I think if he's up there, teams are dumb. Or they're looking to just get a backup quarterback. They can draft him so late. No, they can't. I, I don't I don't think so. That's not the reality anymore. You don't think if Hennon Hooker's in the second round, you don't you don't you think he's gonna go first round? I think so. That's surprising. I, I see him going maybe middle to late second round. Uh, I, I don't think so. I don't think there's a lot of teams that are Willing to just keep letting him drop. But this this draft is there's so many possibilities that can happen. Like in years past, it's been pretty obvious who's going where, and you can know literally as soon as the college season was over. Yeah, but, but this year has been one of the crazier ones. Yeah, it's got to be while. one of the, it's it's one of the most loaded draft classes I've seen in a long time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, when it comes to quarterback talent, you know, defensive line talent for sure. The secondary is pretty solid in this one. A bunch of good wide receiver options. The only thing that this draft is really missing is some good running backs. Yeah, uh, there's not like a lot of top tier running backs coming in, but. I mean, this year you got a lot of undersized running backs that are coming in that are still very explosive. Yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, on this running back talk, the Falcons are the betting favorites to land Bijan Robinson. What are your takes on that, Greg? I hate it. I love Bijan Robinson, but I love Tyler Algier much more. That I'm I'm leaning the same way. I don't think we we don't need him. No, I, I think it's a waste. There's other things to work on than the running game. I think the running game was fantastic last year. If Cordero Patterson can do exactly what he did last year, even a little less, and Tyler Algier can take that next step, we don't need Bijan Robinson. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm glad we're on the same page because I t- I 100% agree with you. I sorry Carson, I know you'd like to go see your 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 player go. I can't speak, but you'd like to go watch your player live. But I don't want that. You can go do it somewhere else. <laughs> go to Dallas. That that wouldn't be a bad landing spot. Yeah, take over for Zeke. Match him up with Tony Pollard. I don't. I don't mind that one. Uh, I do mind this though. Jim Irsay back at it with these shit tweets, dude. 
It pisses me off how much the Colts owner tweets. I certainly don't believe that he writes them, but go ahead and read it for you. He said, for the 23 draft, we have many options. With the number four pick, we could stay put and take a quarterback or trade up and take a quarterback or trade down and maybe take a quarterback or not. All options on the table, but we like our position are and are very excited. Fire up. Dude, shut the fuck up. You're taking Will Levis or Anthony Richardson at four. Bro needs to stay off the socials. You're an old man. All you need to do on the socials is tell us if the roof is open or closed that week. That's all I care about. I mean, he's just he's trying to see what specials Captain D's has going on for that week. Yeah, that's a real he, old man take. He 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 probably follows Captain D's, Hardy's, um, <laughs> Denny's. It's when was the last time you saw Arthur Blank tweeting? Uh, probably never. I don't think exactly. he has a Twitter. Exactly. He's also an old guy. He's an old Jewish guy. He doesn't use so, Twitter. Jim, let's let's uh let's shut the fuck up kindly <laughs> and let, let your let your team do this. All right. Well, his team hasn't done much uh, talking the last couple of years, so. You know, maybe it's, maybe he thinks he's the only bright spot. It's just one of those things. It's just why why would you say this? There's no It's like man. what what in your right mind thinks thinks that this is a good idea. Who knows? But what I do know, there's a lot of guys that are talented in day three, even day two for the draft. We're gonna run you through a couple of our favorites. Colin, let's go ahead and get it started with you. What do you think? Deuce Fawn running back out of Kansas State. Love it. Instinctive, elusive, and a quick runner. The the dude can I I I can see him getting drafted, starting out on special teams with low snaps on the offense, but then slowly working his way to getting half snaps and splitting with another running back. I like that. Yeah, that seems like the role he could take on. A, a very undersized guy, of course, the shortest guy ever measured at the combine. But he's certain. He's strong. He's fast. He's 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 elusive. Like he is a a, a seriously good running back. It just seems like people are overlooking him because he's small. Dude, he's like it's not hard to like look a, over him. So he's like your stronger Darren Sproles. In my opinion. I like that comparison. All right, who you got, Gray? I got Jamie Robinson out of Florida State. The safety. A little bit kind of lackluster combine results. A 4.5940, only a 9.8 broad jump. But the production score from next-gen stats, he came second among safeties at the combine in that. Overall, the fourth-ranked um from NFL Next Gen Stats. I really like Jamie Robinson. He really showed out at Florida State last year, was all over the field, plays the safety position fantastic. He's a little bit smaller, compact frame, but could throw him at nickel, throw him at safety, plays super well downhill, strong run-stopping power. But it's just he doesn't have the measurables, and um, not a lot of people like you know his development but i just think that he's a guy that i think he really could learn i he 
improved year over year at Florida State, and I think that he just has the ability to play well and be a supportive safety. He's not going to be, you know, like a Minka Fitzpatrick, but he's definitely going to make an impact, <clears throat> but probably a small one. Okay, I like that. Is that the first Florida State guy you've talked about for draft talk? Gosh, not a lot of not a lot of good guys coming coming in this year, huh? Yeah, I like that pick though. All right, my my next guy, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about a QB who's sort of, in my opinion, getting overlooked a little bit. Malik Cunningham out of Louisville. The dude's a baller. He's a dual threat with plenty of upside to look at. I think he could be a sneaky pick this year for a team. Yeah, he's kind of an interesting case because he played in an offense that's similarly styled to when Lamar Jackson was there. He didn't do it as well at all. And rather inimpressive results, but certainly had his games, had his moments. He could be an impact player, but I just don't know how I feel about him. Hey, there's a reason he he's day three, maybe day four looking. But uh, upside's there, especially I think a lot of teams look at the similar play style to Lamar. Maybe a little bit better of an arm, in my opinion. Um, but it's one of those things that we'll just have to see. Yeah. All right. My second guy, Byron Young, edge rusher out of Tennessee. Dude is just an athlete. That's what it comes down to. <clears throat> 11 foot broad jump, a 4 4 3 40, 22 reps on the bench, 38 inch vertical. Came in with an athleticism score at the combine of an 82. That was third amongst edge rushers. Kid is just, he's just an athlete. That's how it is. And got a great story, actually. Um, he was out of football for 18 months after he graduated high school in South Carolina, was an assistant manager at a Dollar General in Columbus, Georgia, tried out for the team at the Georgia Military College, had a pretty solid first year there, was a top 15 overall JUCO recruit, and um, it, they actually didn't even play um, that season in 2020, of course, because of COVID, but transfers to Tennessee – Started eight of their 11 games with 11 and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks in his first season with them. And then as a senior, first team all SEC, led the team with seven sacks, 37 tackles, 12 tackles for loss. It's a fantastic story, and it's just a, a prime example of growth. The kid just can grow. And that's what NFL teams want to see with their guys in, you know, the second, the third round is a guy that's willing to work and just continue to get better. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing here with Byron Young. Yeah, I, I really like that. He was he was one of the guys I was looking at as well um, for one of these day two, day threes. Um, and I just, with how he started, it's so good watching him succeed. It's just hard not to root for the guy. Yeah, exactly. All right, Colin, who's your third guy? All right, it's it's a guy. I mean, we're we're both we're both kind of high on. Uh, we both like him. Zach Evans, running back out of Ole Miss. Brock would appreciate this pick. Brock, this one's for you. 
Yes, he's just like Deuce Vaughn undersized, but so explosive. He can split any gap, and he's a great pass catcher. He's got hands. People overlook that as a running back, but with the way NFL's playing out nowadays, you need a running back who can run and a running back who can catch. Yeah, I, I really like Zach Evans mainly for that reason. He definitely got overlooked last season, started the season injured. Quinshawn Judkins, the true freshman, absolutely blew up just out of nowhere, and it kind of outshined Zach Evans. But prior to that, he was just fantastic, and I'm really happy with what we saw from him. Just a great, great running back. And, um, yeah, I think he's a guy to look out for in the coming years because he could definitely just build. He can grow his game, get a little bit stronger, continue to be a solid pass catcher and use that explosiveness to his uh, advantage. Yeah, I'm I'm very high on him. Uh, I think he can have a very solid NFL career. All right. I've also got a running back for my last guy. That's Muhammad Ibrahim out of Minnesota. Kid was a baller last year. Not the strongest, not really that big, 5'8", 203, but just a, a strong production score from the Combine. Uh, he ranked eighth amongst running backs there. A, a pretty good comparison here from Lance Zerline. He hasn't compared to Damian Pierce, which I think is great. Kind of just a, a toughness type running back. He's really just about strength and vision. He's got a real good feel for his cut behind the line of scrimmage and a very decisive runner. So it, it's just about <clears throat> um, the fact that he's not really he's not willing to move out of the way. Um. And that could cause some problems in the NFL because you can get injured, you can be uh, a, a little bit combative, which can be a problem, but he's just a no-nonsense kind of runner. He's just going to run, he's going to get your yards, and that's what you need. Yeah, I I like that. You know, a little, little golden gopher action working its way to the NFL. All right. Anything else about these day three, day two prospects? No, I mean, like like we said, uh, I think 90% of the running backs, people are going to say, are undersized in this class. Yeah. But that does not mean you should count them out because the game's changing in the NFL. The little guys are making a push. Yeah, stand up for the short kings. Unless your name is Kyler Murray. Yeah, fuck Kyler Murray. Sorry, guys. We, we hate Kyler Murray. Yeah. But, uh, no, I'm excited. I think I say this every time I'm on. I'm just I'm ready to get to draft day and watch the action roll. Yeah, I think this is a perfect time for me to announce that on draft night, uh, me and Luke will be recording throughout the entire draft, talking about our drafts, talking mock drafts, you know, right before the pick, saying who we think might go, who should go, anything like that. We're going to be covering the entire draft. It's going to go up on Friday. So you can hear our full analysis of every single pick, first reaction, all of that on Friday morning. And next week is all draft. Um, not really going to be talking anything else. Uh, Tuesday's episode, I'm going to have a guy on, Mike. He's going to come in. I'm going to have him break down my mock draft, which I'll be releasing uh, this coming Friday. Me and Luke's mock drafts will be coming out. So 
just a ton of draft content with it coming up, and I'm super excited for it. Yeah, and I, hey, while we're doing announcements, Spencer Strider just lost his no-hitter in the sixth inning. Damn, I was trying not to talk about it. I, I, I was not going to talk about it. I didn't say anything while it was happening, but he just lost it on a blue single over second base. Damn. But right now he's thrown six innings with nine Ks. So he's 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 shoving. Yeah, right before now. we get into do you remember, let's just kind of look around the league real quick in the MLB, update everybody on some scores while we're sitting here. Mets losing to the Dodgers 3-0, bottom of the fourth. Uh, the Brewers and Mariners tied at four in the top of the seventh. The Athletics and Cubs tied at zero in the middle of the sixth. The Pirates have a 5-3 lead on the Rockies, bottom of the ninth. Rockies do have a runner on second with two outs. And then, like you said, Braves up 2-0 on the Padres. All right, Colin, you ready to get into Do You Remember? Yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. I got a good one for y'all. All right. Well, then you go ahead and lead it off. All right, so I know we talked about our, we talked our baseball, we talked our football, but I'm gonna take y'all back all the way to 1997. Tiger Woods winning the Masters. All right, he, going into that, he was never supposed to win that, and he ended up winning by 12 strokes at 21 years of age. First round comes out, shoots a 70, rough. He shot, I think he shot four over on the front nine and then ended up shooting six down on the back nine. And that back nine really set the tone for the rest of his tournament. Coming out, shooting a 66, then a 65, and then final round, 69. But he becomes the youngest to win a Masters at 21. And then he's also the first African-American to win the Masters as well really setting the tone for his career as a golfer and going down as one of the best. Yeah. I love it, man. That the watching that moment, I actually did a project on it for one of my classes last semester. It, it's so crazy to look into because you know, the year prior, he played very bad at the masters. And then after that, it was just dominance. It, it, Tiger Woods really cemented himself. And now one of, if not the best golfer of all time. Yeah, um, like like you said, before this Masters, no one had him even in like the top 10 no. because of how bad he was playing. I actually read some articles like there were people that wanted him off the tour. So, and then he comes out wins and then it's just uphill from there. Like yeah. the man, golf wouldn't be where it's at without Tiger Woods. Agreed. So, Tiger, fantastic career, buddy. Go take a break. Yeah, it, prop it, up, it probably prop needs to be feet. over. Prop up them feet. All just right. Let the, let the young bucks do their thing. Anything else for it? No, that's it. I just, 21 years old, winning a Masters, it's insane. It is. I got one more year. You think I can make it? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> No. All right. Fair enough. We'll all see right. if you can break 100 next time. Yeah. We'll see. Hey, look, I got my first career birdie. That's all that matters. <laughs> all right. My, do you remember? 
is the Cody Bellinger versus Christian Yelich MVP race, but particularly the first month of that 2019 season because they were absolutely lighting it up from the time that season started. So in April and March together, Cody Bellinger started 30 games, was hitting 431, a 508 on base percentage, an OPS of 1.398. And he had 14 home runs, which tied him for the most in the first or in um in the first month of the season. He had 37 RBIs, five stolen bases, uh 19 walks, only struck out 15 times in that entire month, had a triple as well. Dude was on an absolute tear to start that season, but it's too bad that Christian Yelich was there as well. In only 28 games started, he had 14 home runs as well, which tied him for that leader uh, in the month of or in the months of March and April together. Four doubles, 34 RBIs, six stolen bases, walked 20 times, batting 353, on base at 460, and an OPS of 1264. These guys were just absolutely ridiculous just throughout this season, but for the first month of the season, all the way through the end, they were the league leaders for MVP in the National League. One of the craziest races I've ever witnessed. Yeah, I mean, I remember that. I'm pretty sure, like, for the first three months, they were, like, either one of them was leading every offensive category for the NL. Like, you go down the list, it's either Belly or Yelich. And Yelich, I mean, he's still good but he's definitely gone downhill since since that season so but yeah dude that that race was insane yeah and now to see how you know honestly how bad these guys are playing right now and the last two years really it's kind of crazy yeah i mean bellinger's not putting up those numbers but he's definitely i feel like he's off to a better start this year yeah for sure the past couple of years. So who knows? Maybe next year Belly can recreate that MVP run. I doubt it. <laughs> hey, I'll go ahead and say it now. You're right, because that's uh next year's Michael Harris's year. Facts. All right, Colin. Anything else you've got for the people? Uh, I think I think we covered about everything, man. I had a I had a lot of fun on this episode. All right. That's going to do it for us. Make sure you check out Friday's episode. We're going to be releasing our mock drafts. And uh, all next week, that draft coverage to look forward to. It's going to do it for us. Peace. Later.